السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم واعتصموا بحبل الله جميعا ولا تفرقوا واذكروا نعمة الله عليكم إذ كنتم أعداء فألف بين قلوبكم فأصبحتم بنعمته إخوانا وكنتم على شفا حفرة من النار فأنقذكم منها كذلك يبين الله لكم آياته كذلك يبين الله لكم آياته لعلكم تهتدون صدق الله العظيم uh, my dear respected elders علماء and our dear brothers and sisters, uh, alimas and other sisters and brothers from the various different mas masjids, communities, community leaders, and everybody else that's present. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, absolutely, we are thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May he shower his blessings on this gathering. Uh, I said, I am absolutely uh, not uh, the best person to uh, stand here and to be honored with this position. But uh, since having been uh, invited here, I take this uh, as a responsibility and I submit the following to you as first advice to myself. And inshallah, at this auspicious occasion of the inauguration of uh, this uh, Jami'iyah, mashallah. So, what I want to start with first is that as a Muslim minority, I come from a Muslim minority, Muslim minority country, and uh, a democracy. So these two things are what uh, we share, London, USA, Guyana, Barbados, um, all of these countries. So there are four really, really important functions or people that uh, are needed for the advancement, not just the preservation, but for the preservation and the advancement of the Muslims. You have to have these four integral groups of people. And I went, um, you know, mashallah, these four groups of people, without this, you can't really have advancement. You're going to have hindrance, you're going to have obstacles, and you're going to have a lot of issues. So uh, the first group of people that you need for the preservation is... Uh, business people, people with money. People with money are a very, very important, uh, integral of the advancement of the deen in the modern world. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ said a time will come when nothing will be of benefit except dinars and birhams. And that means basically money. You need money to run facilities, institutions, to build institutions, to establish them to get work done, that everything works on money. We're living, especially now, in a capitalist world. And without money, nothing works. Now, that might be very surprising uh, for a, a scholar to speak about money, but it's an absolute necessity. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, in the UK, 
Um, you know, we've been there for about 60 to 70 years now. You guys have been here in this country as Muslims, mashallah, in huge numbers, uh, as a decent proportion of the, uh, uh, of the entire country from over 100 years. So you guys are well ahead of us. But alhamdulillah, I can say that in England now, there are lots of very, very uh, people who've made it, well, uh, who've, who've done well in, in business and who have, uh, mashallah, a lot of disposable income. And they have, there's marriages taking place between business people and ulama for the sake of Allah. Not for the sake of the scholars' own personal uh, benefits, but for the sake of the deen. Because these guys, they have money, they want to do something with it. All they need is the guidance of the ulama to come together and use that, mashallah. And there's a number of these partnerships taking place. And more of recent. It takes time for people to mature. England is a place where money doesn't come easy. America is a place where money can come very easily. Uh, a doctor, uh, as, I, as I, there's a student, um, a young girl, uh, I taught her Hifz of the Quran. And then, mashallah, she's gone on to become a doctor, a medical doctor. And she's at the age of 23, 24, she gets her first job as an emergency medicine physician. And she says that her salary is going to be $400,000 a year. That's a crazy amount of money. In England, the doctors don't make that kind of money. I've seen it in so many occasions in, in America where there'll be guys who will say that everything you collect today in the masjid, I'm going to double it. In England, we've just not had that kind. Although now, alhamdulillah, people are very settled and they've got money. But again, it's up to Allah to allow the heart to open up. There's some people, there was a masjid that was just established and the brothers were telling me, they went out to people and they were bus drivers who came and gave 10,000 pounds of their very hard saving, earned savings. And he said he went to another individual who owns multiple houses in London, like a whole portfolio of houses. His income every month is about 700,000 pounds by which he can buy a new house worth 700,000 pounds, which is very difficult for the majority of people to afford. When he went to him to ask for money, he couldn't give any money because he had to buy his next house, I guess. But he hadn't calculated that uh, this is another venue to spend. So you need money. Number two, the second group of people you need, subhanallah, of people in politics. Absolutely necessary, especially in a democracy. If you don't have, now listen to this, if you don't have drivers in politics, or people who sit with the driver, or backseat drivers, you're going to struggle. In politics, for the Muslim community to survive and advance itself and be preserved, you need either people in the driving seat, or next to the driver, or the backseat driver, to constantly correct the driver. You know the backseat drivers, the wives sometimes, or the, the mother when the child is learning? Um, I hope you understand the parable there. I think it's a very apt parable. So otherwise, they won't do anything. And lots of Muslims in many Muslim minority countries, they don't get involved, and then they complain when the politicians don't do anything for the Muslim community. They don't make laws with the Muslim community in mind. You're going to have to get yourself heard and campaign and let them know Alhamdulillah, from what I'm hearing and seeing in this country, there's a respect for religion. That's a great thing. That's an amazing thing. And may Allah allow that to continue. Because with the incoming new wealth and everything, there's going to be many forces at play. 
and there is secularism and atheism and subhanallah many other types of ideas that run contrary to religion that are in force in the US, in, in the UK, in the Europe, in Europe in general. Alhamdulillah here felt very comfortable being Muslim and may Allah allow that to continue. But you still need drivers. And mashallah, it seems like you've got a driver. At least you've got a president. And, uh, and you know, inshallah, many more things like that will continue. Number three, you need now Muslims in various different important vocations, services, and think tanks, policy making organizations. Otherwise, if you don't, they don't know what Muslims, and again, I'm hearing that, mashallah, you do have AIDS. You have your Eid holiday and you have other holidays, national holidays, and there is a consultation, alhamdulillah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maintain that. But otherwise, in many other countries, you really have to, um, th there's just not enough people in various different vocations. A lot of Muslims don't go into contributing fields, they go into consuming fields. They're there just to make money, uh, just on the defensive, just in a mode of survival, right? They're just in a mode of survival and then they just consume, but they don't contribute. And if we're not seen as contributors, then we can't be respected, right? You can only be respected and have your rights uh, understood and met if you're seen as valued individuals and contributors. Uh, I'm not sure how uh, true this is, but when the, uh, the remnants of the Persian Empire, the fire worshippers, the Zoroastrians, when they entered into India, God knows how true this story is, but the, the wisdom behind it sounds good. Um, they, 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 fl they fled and they came to India, the Indian subcontinent. And whoever the leader was at that time, he said he put out a glass of milk full to the brim. So we don't have any space here. India has a huge population. There's about 200 million just Muslims, more than the Middle East, you know, put together. And that's just Muslims. Then you've got all the other faiths. And Muslims are about 15, 20%. We don't have any space here. So this guy, what he did is he took some sugar and he put it into the milk. We're not here to increase the population. We're here to sweeten the population. We're here to contribute. And every Muslim needs to contribute somehow or the other. So we need many industries taken care of by Muslims, uh, especially the important ones, so that whenever uh, something needs to happen, it's there to provide the infrastructure. Okay, and number four, which is probably the most important, because you do a lot of times have people with money. Money is something you don't have to encourage people to do to do business. Whether they've got faith or not faith, lots of people want to make money. So that is something you don't have to necessarily always encourage people to do because that's the dunya and that's where we are. However, the fourth one is to have Muslim scholarship. And the reason why that is the most important one is th that is the one which provides guidance and direction and a light for all the others. For all the others, it tells the Muslim businessmen where their money should be spent. It informs the people in the various fields and the politicians what is right in Islam and what is wrong and what is demanded and what is recommended and what we need. And it works for the preservation. It's the Muslim scholarship which is the, the purpose of it. The role of it is to work at every single level, starting with the children, the, the, the mothers, the women, the men, and every other vocation, it is supposed to be the ulama that do this. And ulama need to, of course, recognize that. That we are there to provide uh, guidance in every field. We can't provide guidance if 
I know nothing about science, I can't provide guidance in the field of science. There'll be questions on genetics. I need to understand genetics to be able to provide guidance. There's questions on the me in the medical field. If I have no idea of the various different things like abortions and miscarriages and ultrasounds and everything else that's in the field and various different types of diseases in the body and so on. Um, if I don't have that idea, I don't have access to that detail, I can't provide guidance. Ulama have a big task, absolutely crucial. They are absolutely a crucial to maintain the faith. So you see, without scholars, you might maintain a basic level of faith. But to advance, you need good Muslim scholars to be able to help advance it, to, uh, to take it forward and to provide the guidance that is, that is required. They'll tell... Uh, they, they, they provide the guidance in every single field. Otherwise, people will do with their money, with their skills, things without knowledge. There are so many people in the West, like in America and other places, they have sincerity in their hearts, and they want to do something for the Muslim Ummah. They see Muslim in crisis in different places, and they want to do something. But they, they, lacked, they, 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 they lack the guidance of what is required. They lack the guidance of what is required. Some of these people who wanted to allow Muslim women to lead the prayers, I believe some of them could have been sincere. They thought that um, in, uh, you know, we're living in a time of feminism and, and, and a number of other uh, uh, issues that we have. And Muslims are supposed to be backwards because they don't give Muslim rights, uh, they don't give women rights apparently, even though you know, women have been given rights from before. So they decide that the way to do this, the way to really prove this, put a uh, woman as an imam. Now that's obviously done without any kind of guidance. It's just, uh, you know, the, 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 the raw spirit has just been harnessed in the wrong way. So we need ulama to provide that guidance and work together with people. If you have an idea, as a non-scholar, go to a scholar that you think will understand your case and put that for him and, mashallah, do what you have to do for the betterment of the Muslim community. Now what you need is you actually need ulama that are easily accessible. You need lots of ulama. I need lots of good ulama. From the count that we did, there's about 80 ulama in the country and there's about a population of 150,000 Muslim, Muslims. That makes it uh, one alim, one scholar per 17 or 1800 people. That's just too much work for one scholar. And then not every scholar is necessarily active. So that makes it um, one scholar for 3,000, 400, 4,000, 5,000 individuals. That's just too much for scholars to do. So we need a lot more scholars. We need a lot more scholars and inshallah that will happen. Now when you do have scholars, they need to be organized. They need to have a body. Because I've spoken to many scholars in multiple countries. And what happens is that there's a lot of scholars raring to do something. They want it. They've got a zeal. They've come out of madrasa. They want to do something for the deen. But they just lack management. They, or they don't understand where to start. They don't know how to start something in a community. Inshallah, if they have this group, if they have this combined effort to share experiences, to provide guidance as a body, Inshallah, there's going to be a lot more work that will take place because there will be calls made to the jami'ah, to this group of scholars, and then they can provide the relevant personnel, the relevant ulama. So ulama have to be organized just like any other field have to be organized. Political parties can't be successful unless they are organized. When they get organized, that's when something happens. Any other campaign group, they can only get something done when they're organized. This organization 
is disarray and you don't get anything out of that. We have many jamiats in the world. This is not the first place to have a jamiat. There's many places and I would probably say the first place with that name was probably the Indian subcontinent over a hundred years ago. We just did the centenary. We actually celebrated the centenary of the Jamiatul Ulama of the Indian subcontinent just a few years ago. And I'll speak about that in a bit. But it doesn't have to be called a Jamiatul Ulama. It's called different names in different places. You do have Jamiatul Ulama in Pakistan. You've got one in Sri Lanka. You have one, uh, you have actually multiple in South Africa for the different provinces uh, KwaZulu Natal and Gauteng and uh, Port Elizabeth and so on. But then there's other, the, the, they also go under different names like Majlisul Ulama, Wifaqul Ulama, Rabitatul Ulama. In, in England, in the different cities, they have their own because in England, we're talking about just in London alone with a million Muslims, we've got over a thousand ulama and alimas. And then other little towns, you've probably got a good thousand ulama just in, you know, maybe 20 mile radius. It's subhanAllah. So they need their own jamiatul ulama. You know, and eventually, inshallah, you'll, you'll have the same thing. You'll have chapters, right, of the different areas, the three different provinces. You'll have chapters, inshallah, of or sections of the Shemitul Ulama and then the overall one. And then after that, you've got other names like Ulama Group, Council of Muslim Theologians, Council of Ulama. Give it whatever name you want, right? Give it whatever name you want. Jimmy, I think, is a great name because it, um, it follows up from, uh, uh, from a precedence of uh, the... Uh, the Jamiyatul the Ulama of uh, the Indian subcontinent. Now, for the, the Ulama need assistance. The Jamia will need assistance. For it to survive, as you need money for everything, it will need assistance. It will need moral support. It will need a skill set. It will need a number of different uh, support systems to let it function properly. Right? The political system, everything needs to come uh, to, to support this so that they can do their work, inshallah. I would probably say that if, you, if, if we can reduce, uh, if you can reduce the objectives of the Jamiyatul Ulama down, there's going to be many, many things. But I think the one thing is to invest for the future generations, to maintain the faith and solidify the faith foundations of this country, right, of the Muslims here, so that for the future generations, they have it easy. They don't have it as a struggle. I think if you reduce it to think with that foresight, how, is, how are things going to be in 10 years and 20 years and even beyond that? One of the biggest tasks I think the ulama need to undertake would be to establish maktabs and everybody else needs to help them do that. When I, what I was told uh, by Imam Zamil that every masjid that was built here initially, they were always built with a maktab. But now I'm hearing that many masjids don't have maktabs anymore. They might have the facilities, they might have the building, but they don't have the maktab anymore. And if any place, uh, many places, if they have, they're not even five days a week. They're one day a week. Believe me, I've tried to teach a Sunday school in America, which is a one-day maktab. It was in the next town down. They didn't have an imam, so I tried for a few months. And subhanAllah, it was so tough. It was better than nothing, but it was so tough because it's like you're reading a novel and you're reading a chapter a week. So I read the first chapter, I put the book away, and the next week I'm reading the next chapter. I've forgotten half the story, at least half the story. And that, that's what it was with the children. Maktab one day a week just does not work. It doesn't work. You know, it's better than nothing, I'll give it that, but it doesn't work. 
you need it at least, I think, minimum three days a week, but ideally four or five or six days a week. That's how it was in England. We went to school in the morning for several hours, came back quickly, had some tea or whatever, changed our clothes and went to the maktab for two hours, one and a half hours. That needs to start. And I'll tell you what the benefit of that is. In England, I've seen uh, that there's maktabs pretty much, mashallah, in uh, most of the places. Right? There's obviously be some places where they don't have a maktab, but the parents will have somebody from Pakistan or somebody on Zoom teaching their children at least. Right? Uh, that's not ideal, I would say. It's just being in front of a teacher is the best thing. And um, I've seen that a lot of these kids, some of these children, when they become teenagers, they get lost. They get caught up. Even young, they get caught up in a gang. They get caught up in drugs. They get caught up in just, I don't know, in some kind of other enjoyment. You know, they want to be a gangster. I don't know what they want to be. Right? They try that for a few years and then when they get tired of that, they realize it's all an empty dream. They come back because they have Allah in their heart. It's been drummed into their head, mashallah, with that early maktab training. Everybody needs to go through a maktab training. When I was in California as an imam, there was a scholar that visited and he said that we want to establish a Darul Uloom here, like a full-fledged Darul Uloom. Right? And uh, what that scholar said is that until you don't establish maktabs, you can't have a darlum in this in this land. When I say darlum, I mean full-fledged up to Sahih al-Bukhari to graduate scholars, right? Um, you can't have it unless you have like a whole network of maktabs because you need all the children to go through the maktab system to provide them their foundation. When they've had their foundation, the darlums will give them the more advanced knowledge. That's something to really bear in mind that you just need to lay a whole network Every single masjid and area and remote area needs to have somebody teaching the children at least for three, four, five years minimum. Now, what I would say is that I will advise the ulama here, mashallah, I'm nobody to advise advice to myself first, really absolutely humbled and uh, to be here, is to be mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a job for Allah. It's not a job for position. It's not for gaining any kind of world. The world will come to you. I guarantee you. Seen so many experiences, examples of this. The world will come to you when you go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you'd be surprised that Allah will provide you from where you never have thought. It's a matter of tawakkul. Difficult to tell somebody about tawakkul without an experience. I pray to Allah that Allah give everybody this experience. So that it uplifts a person. Uplifts the individuals. So be mindful of Allah. We have to be the role models of absolutely impeccable character, maintaining the highest integrity so that we can become the role models that people feel comfortable about following. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us like that. May Allah protect us from the various different challenges that pull us back, that shackle us, and that don't let us progress. The Prophet in Salat said, straighten your rows. And he would make sure the rows were straightened. In fact, he warned, he said, if your rows are not straightened, and if somebody's protruding beyond the row, Allah will put conflict in your heart. Do you think that this hukum and this ruling to straighten the rows is just for salat and go outside and now, you know, have crooked rows, meaning have disunity? That salat is a training for everything, subhanAllah. You want to stand in straight rows? We need to stand in rows outside, which means unity. Unity is one of the biggest secret ingredients of a successful Muslim community. If you were to look at history and the various different dynasties, various different rulers, Abbasids, Umayyads, Seljuks, Mamluks, Circassian Mamluks, Fatim, um, um, the Fatimids, uh, and all the others, Samanids, 
and uh, the, the, the Ghaznavids and so on. One of the biggest, biggest problems that tore them apart was disunity. Was somebody playing one against the other. Somebody playing one against the other. Just disunity. Disunity. We have to avoid disunity. We need to be flexible. We need to be tolerant. We need to listen to the other's view. I learned a very interesting lesson because, you know, I, I could have been very aggressive and I would just attack a person maybe. But I learned a very important lesson in terms of debate. Let's just say that uh, um, uh, somebody, uh, Sheikh uh, Yusuf, has an opinion that I disagree with. And I start attacking Sheikh Yusuf for his, uh, for his position. No, let me not attack him. What I should ask Sheikh Yusuf is, what's your opinion? And can you tell me why you hold this opinion? So then what I'm doing is I'm giving him a chance to explain his opinion. So he explains his opinion. Now, I, if I disagree with that opinion, I'm going to say, why is it like this? Have you thought about it this way? Is this really right? I'm not attacking him. I've given him a chance to explain. He's opened up to me. He's willing to look at it. We're both looking at his opinion and analyzing it. And then if he's got a, mashallah, if he's got an open heart about this, then we can actually reconsider whatever it is. If I attack him right from the beginning, he's going to become defensive. Everybody has a personal you know, dignity and honor that they feel you know, can't be besmirched in any way. So then generally a lot of people, they, stick, you know, they put their heels in the ground. Always ask their opinion why they think the way they do. Have that discussion and then analyze and critique the opinion. And a lot of the time, uh, keep reading, Allahumma alif bayna qulubina. Whenever we have an issue with somebody, I found very beneficial to read this dua, Allahumma alif bayna qulubina, Allahumma aslih dhata baynina. Oh Allah, reform our hearts. And Allahumma aslih dhata baynina. Oh Allah, reform the matter between us. Reconcile our hearts, reform the matter between us. Imam Shafi was amazing. Imam Shafi said, I would always pray that the haqq prevails at the tongue of my opposition. At least the haqq prevails. Now that's a very high status to be in, you know, to be such selfless like that. But uh, um, let's be flexible, let's listen, let's be open, and let's try to be prudent, wise, and accommodating in the way we need to take our community from where it is to where we want it to go. It's a slow process. You can't rush this, and we need steadfastness, perseverance. You'll be let down, you'll feel demotivated, you will uh, feel abandoned sometimes, you will be criticized, but that's all part of the job. That's exactly what the Prophet وسلم, that's exactly his position. Read Rasul al-Mu'allim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There's books written on the Prophet وسلم, ta'aleem and his tarbiyah, and inshallah that should be of benefit. So everything needs to happen through some kind of consultation and mutual, uh, mutual consultation. And then have a dhikr regimen. For our personal benefit, have a dhikr regimen. We need that power inside for us to stay connected with Allah so our selfishness doesn't creep in. The various different other um, dunyawi pulls and attractions we can avoid if we're connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It always provides a softness of the heart. When you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that will give you the power. Your words will be more effective. Your actions will be more effective. Now, to finish off, as I said a few years ago, I attended and had to give a little talk to the 100th centenary of the Jamiatul Ulama of India, which was being held in the UK for the UK people. And I just thought at that time, and what I spoke about was one point. I said, 100 years ago, when this Jamiya was established, what were their goals? What were their motivations? What did they have in mind? Did they ever imagine 
that after a hundred years in London, you know, which was the ruling power probably a hundred years ago in India, right? Um, yeah, yes, ruling in India, that we're going to be sitting in that capital and we're going to have, subhanAllah, a centenary program for the Jamiat. But the main thing is, has the Jamiat fulfilled its role that it set out a hundred years ago? So this is what I'm going to tell the Jamiat. Subhanallah, with all, you know, what would you like for people to say in a hundred years' time when most of us or every one of us will be gone, most likely? And they're going to look back, they might have a centenary program. What are the achievements that you want them to think about that we actually did? Will they be fulfilled? Will your vision, a hundred year vision, be fulfilled? Don't look 20 years and or 30 years, look at Literally a hundred years, where do you want to see the Muslim Ummah? The preservation of the Muslim Ummah, the increase of the Muslim Ummah, the strength of the Muslim Ummah, advance of the Muslim Ummah. So with that thought, I will leave us. Absolutely, again, honored to be here. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take this from strength to strength, protect it, and allow a vision of more than a hundred years, and allow it to prosper. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام وتبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جزا الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا معدن الجود والكرم يا خير المسؤول ويا خير المعطين يا الله have mercy on us يا الله we ask you for your special grace for your special mercy for your divine assistance. Ya Allah, we ask you for your assistance. Oh Allah, we ask you for your acceptance. Oh Allah, we ask you for your guidance. Oh Allah, we ask you for your light. Oh Allah, we ask you for your light. Oh Allah, guide us aright. Oh Allah, this Jamia has just been established. Oh Allah, we ask that you guide us all aright. Oh Allah, you take this from strength to strength. Oh Allah, you provided the right kind of guidance that it requires to deal with the various different issues that will come in front, the various different issues that this country requires, the challenges that are and will come about, the needs of the people. Oh Allah, the needs of the people, the needs of the various different segments and, and, and uh, the various different functions of this country. Oh Allah, oh Allah, enrich us all, enrich all the ulama, enrich us with the right kind of guidance, know-how, and the uh, understanding of the reality. Oh Allah, make us of those who propagate your word with ikhlas and with sincerity. Protect us from all the evils which are out there. Protect us from the trappings of this world. Protect us from selfishness. Protect us from pursuing things just for ourselves. Protect us from the evils of our nafs. Oh Allah, oh Allah, all those who have come here from the ulama community, from the non-ulama community, masjid community, media community, oh Allah, bless everybody here. Bless this entire country, especially in the years that are coming. Oh Allah, bless the entire Muslim world. Oh Allah, make this jam'iyyah, oh Allah, a beacon of light and allow it to provide the very much needed guidance and make it a source of increase of Islam and knowledge and and sacred knowledge in, in, in this country and beyond. Oh Allah, accept everybody here from the very, accept everybody here and protect us from the pitfalls. Oh Allah, and allow us to be guided, allow us to become role models. Oh Allah, accept all of those who facilitated this event and who've, who've assisted it, who've helped it, 
who worked tirelessly and oh Allah make this all a source of sadaqa jariya make this a source of, source of continuous charity and allow us to be part of it and to be accepted and accept all of us for this service of your faith and allow many other things to come about from here and Allah take all the institutions from strength to strength grant us unity allow us to work together allow us to work together allow us to reconcile whatever's in our heart for the uh, for the higher good for the higher good of Allah except from us subhana rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursalin walhamdulillahi the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act to get further an inspiration an encouragement persuasion the next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books to take on a subject of islam and to understand all the subjects of islam at least at their basic level so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us uh, and that's why we started uh, rayyan courses so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time especially for example the islamic essentials uh, course that we have on there the islamic essentials certificate which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that inshallah you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in islam and you'll feel a lot more confident you don't have to leave lectures behind you can continue to leave uh, you know to listen to lectures but you need to have this more sustained study as well jazakallah khairan assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh